The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by DXC Technology. Let us show you the way to your digital future. Thrive on change. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, March 17th. In today's news, Congress is trying to swiftly pass a third coronavirus relief bill as airlines and casinos seek bailouts. The CDC admits mistakes in testing as Google tries to build a tool the president claimed already existed. And Italy's newspapers are full of death notices, but no one can attend the funerals. First though, the big idea. Health departments in the United States on Monday reported the largest number of coronavirus-related deaths on any one day since the onset of the outbreak. As of last night, officials had reported 18 people dead, bringing the nationwide total to 85. About 4,450 coronavirus cases have now been confirmed in the U.S., though experts suspect the true number is vastly higher. President Trump said Monday that Americans should avoid gathering in groups of more than 10 people, eating in restaurants, or taking non-essential trips. Taken together, the guidelines were the closest the federal government has come to calling for a nationwide quarantine, with the White House arguing that the United States has just 15 days to halt the spread of the coronavirus. Trump appeared chastened by the magnitude of the crisis facing the nation and testing his presidency, describing the virus as an invisible enemy that could continue to afflict the country until August or later. As he spoke, stocks continued their historic plunge, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average ending the day down almost 13%, following about 3,000 points for its worst daily slide since 1987. After struggling to ensure that widespread tests would be available for people with symptoms, the Trump administration said that it had confirmed 1 million tests have been deployed nationwide with plans to scale that up in coming weeks. State and local officials began to roll out their own additional test sites on Monday, including drive through testing in parts of New York State. In the absence of unambiguous guidance from the president for the citizens he was elected to lead, the frustration of governors has been boiling over. Trump whacked a beehive of angst yesterday morning when he convened a conference call with the nation's 50 governors. He told them that states shouldn't rely on the federal government to provide respirators, ventilators, and other medical equipment needed to aid the infected, and that they should try to obtain that equipment on their own. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, the Democrat, compared the comment to being at war and hearing your leader say, you all need to get your own weapons at the state level to defeat this. But he said that's the way it's been. Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, a Republican who chairs the National Governors Association, said in an interview that some of his colleagues were pretty upset at the president. On Monday morning, the governors of Connecticut, New Jersey, and New York announced an emergency joint action directing all restaurants and bars, gyms, movie theaters, and casinos in the tri-state area to close. San Francisco Bay Area leaders called on 6 million residents to shelter in place and stay at home until at least April 7th, unless it's absolutely essential to go outdoors. Ohio's governor ordered polls not to open today for the state's primaries as a health emergency and he made that order despite a state judge's ruling that the election must go on. Arizona, Florida, and Illinois are still holding their presidential primaries today. The outbreak is impacting nearly every facet of American life. Classes have now been canceled for an estimated 32.5 million public school students across 64,000 schools. The National Education Association is recommending shutting all schools in the entire country for at least two weeks. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said Congress's third coronavirus relief bill should include further steps to assist individual Americans and families 
actions to secure the economy and small businesses, and additional steps to shore up the healthcare system and support medical professionals who are expected to be overwhelmed in the coming weeks. The legislation is likely to carry a price tag in the hundreds of billions of dollars, reminiscent of the bailouts and stimulus packages Congress was forced to pass during the 2008 financial crisis. Work on the new piece of legislation follows enactment earlier this month of an $8.3 billion package focused on the public health care system and the House's passage last week of a bill aimed at safety net programs, including sick leave, unemployment insurance, and food stamps. Last night, Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin, who negotiated that House bill with Speaker Nancy Pelosi and other top administration officials, went to the Senate side to meet with GOP leaders in the Capitol to discuss next steps and push for quick action. Senator Marco Rubio, the Republican from Florida, says the Treasury Secretary, who's planning to be back at the Capitol to attend the weekly Senate GOP lunch this afternoon, is expected to present an overall dollar figure for how much the administration wants in the new proposal. Rubio says the Senate will need to act swiftly to help the economy, but also because the health crisis is deteriorating to a level where members of Congress likely won't be able to travel back and forth to their states each week for a while. Senate Democrats also have an ambitious wish list of their own. Minority leader Chuck Schumer proposed a $750 billion package to address everything from hospital capacity and loan forbearance to treatment affordability and remote learning. Rubio says GOP senators discussed Schumer's proposed $750 billion price tag and concluded that their package will likely end up being even costlier. First, though, the Senate must act on legislation that passed the House last week that devotes tens of billions of dollars more to those paid sick leave benefits, unemployment insurance, free coronavirus testing, and food safety programs. That legislation, which passed just before 1 a.m. on Saturday after a flurry of last-minute negotiations, required technical corrections that threatened to hold up Senate action. Those legislative fixes were hammered out Monday and passed by the House Monday evening. Democrats and a handful of Republicans have begun to back dispersing direct cash payments to tens of millions of poor and middle-class Americans to help them weather the downturn. Among them, Mitt Romney, the Republican senator from Utah, released a proposal on Monday stating that every American adult should immediately receive a $1,000 check to ensure families and workers can meet their short-term obligations. Romney said after meeting with administration officials on Monday evening that he believes there's interest in his plan. Meanwhile, Casinos joined the airline industry in asking Congress for bailouts. The requested aid for the casinos, raised by lobbyists in recent days, could come in the form of a comprehensive bailout package similar to what lawmakers may provide to airlines, cruise companies, and the hospitality industry. Other possibilities include direct cash payments, deferred taxes, or special bankruptcy protections. One person said that on a strategy call yesterday with members of the American Gaming Association, the lobby for the industry, a representative of Wynn Resorts raised the possibility of the industry seeking cash payments. Wynn Resorts was previously run by one of Trump's top political donors, Steve Wynn, who resigned his post in 2018 amid very serious allegations of sexual misconduct that he denied. The Trump administration has already moved to help the oil and gas industry by announcing plans to buy oil for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to buttress companies hit by a downturn in energy prices. Trump administration officials have also said the administration will push for special financial relief for the hospitality companies, including airlines and cruise ships that have been so hard hit. Remember, Trump is in the hospitality business and still owns a hotel in Las Vegas. And U.S. airlines want $50 billion in federal assistance. Among their requests is $30 billion in grants for passenger airlines and cargo carriers. According to a document we obtained from Airlines for America, that industry's leading trade group. In addition, the industry wants $25 billion in loans and temporary tax relief in the form of a repeal of all federal excise taxes on tickets, fuel, and cargo through the end of 2021 and a rebate of all federal excise taxes paid between January and March of 2020. 
Trump on Monday said his administration will support the airlines, but didn't offer specifics. The proposal from the airline industry is triple what they got in the aftermath of the September 11th terrorist attacks. That package included $5 billion in direct aid and $10 billion in loan guarantees. As these airline chief executives come hat in hand to us taxpayers seeking bailouts, one reason they're out of cash is that the biggest U.S. airlines spent 96% of their free cash flow over the last decade buying back their own shares so that they could be worth more. American Airlines led that pack with negative cumulative free cash flow during the decade while it repurchased 12.5 billion bucks of its own shares. United Airlines used 80% of its cash flow on buybacks. Number two, testing in the U.S. has been stalled by red tape and government mistakes. When Olfert Lant heard about the novel coronavirus, he got busy. The founder of a small Berlin-based company, the ponytailed 54-year-old raced to help German researchers come up with a diagnostic test and then spurred his company to produce and ship more than 1.4 million tests by the end of February to the World Health Organization. By contrast, over that same critical period, U.S. efforts to distribute tests ground nearly to a halt and our country's inability to produce them left public health officials with limited means to determine where and how fast the virus was spreading. The U.S.'s struggle stemmed from the fact that the country took too long to use private companies to develop the tests. The coronavirus pandemic was too big and moving too fast for the CDC to develop its own tests in time. While FDA and CDC officials have attributed some of the delays to their determination to meet exacting scientific standards they say were necessary to protect public health, the government effort was nevertheless marred by a widespread manufacturing problem that stalled testing for most of February. It has been longstanding practice for CDC scientists in emergencies to develop the first diagnostic tests, in part because the CDC has access to samples of the virus before others do. Later, private companies that win FDA authorization can scale up efforts to meet demand. In response for this story, CDC spokesman Benjamin Haynes says, quote, this process has not gone as smoothly as we would have liked. Meanwhile, Trump announced Friday that Google was building a virus screening tool, but then someone actually had to go ahead and build it. In a short period of time, a relatively obscure subsidiary of Google's parent company called Verily has become a frontline player in the fight against the pandemic. Trump's decree from the White House briefing room on Friday that 1,700 engineers at Google were working on building a corona test finding tool that would be ready in a few days sent executives at Verily into a panic. They were nowhere close to launching such a tool. Google seeking to placate the administration by not contradicting the president's false statement scrambled to put out a statement of their own over the weekend that promised a different national website with information about symptoms. Meanwhile, Verily rushed to complete its test screening site for residents in the Bay Area and put out its own statement confirming its involvement in the project. Number three. In the Italian province of Bergamo, obituaries fill the newspaper, but survivors mourn alone. In the part of Italy hit hardest by the coronavirus the crematorium has started operating 24 hours a day. Coffins have filled up two hospital morgues and then a cemetery morgue, and they're now being lined up inside a cemetery church. The local newspaper's daily obituary section has grown from two or three pages to 10, sometimes listing more than 150 names in what the top editor likens to war bulletins. All across Bergamo, people are being picked up in ambulances, rushed to the hospital, and then dying in sealed-off wards where even their closest relatives are not allowed to say goodbye. Many funerals are taking place with only a priest and a funeral home employee present while family members face restrictions on gathering and remain in quarantine or in many cases are too sick themselves. Meanwhile, 
stringent restrictions are being imposed not only across Europe, but across the globe. Canada has just announced it will shut its border to almost all non-citizens, including Americans. India has shut down the Taj Mahal and expanded travel bans. Hong Kong placed all foreign arrivals under mandatory home quarantine. Saudi Arabia suspended all travel in and out of their kingdom. German Chancellor Angela Merkel announced a nationwide shutdown of bars, nightclubs, theaters, museums, brothels, casinos, cinemas, swimming pools, and gyms. She also banned all religious services. But interestingly, the UK has been resisting lockdowns as they're imposed across Europe. Bars and most schools, plus museums and restaurants, remain open. But that go-slow approach is beginning to shift. Late Monday, Prime Minister Boris Johnson finally encouraged his fellow citizens to avoid all non-essential contact with others, urging people to work from home and self-isolate if they're elderly. All these measures are voluntary, but Johnson warned that his government had the power to make them mandatory if people don't start to comply. This comes after a modeling by a government epidemiologist showed that as many as 250,000 Brits, a quarter of a million British subjects, could die unless the government did more immediately to suppress the outbreak. That sobered Johnson up. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, March 17th. Thanks for listening. The Post has all the information you need to stay on top of the latest coronavirus news all day long. You can sign up for our coronavirus newsletter to get our latest reporting and FAQs to keep yourself safe. Any article you click on in the newsletter is free to access. To sign up, go to WashingtonPost.com slash virus newsletter. The Post is also offering live coverage and stories with critical health information free every day on our homepage at WashingtonPost.com slash coronavirus. You can also use The Post's podcasts to stay informed without being overwhelmed. They're always free online or on any podcast app. Start your day with The Daily 202, news and insights on the top stories of the morning, and end it with Post Reports, our flagship daily news show. Can He Do That dives deeper on the political angles, examining the White House and federal response. You can find them all at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.